0: Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Sorted Indie Retail Sessions podcast. My name is Pete Leiden. I'm a product marketing specialist here at Sorted and I'm a previous owner of two e-commerce retailers in the homeware and menswear space. Thanks very much for joining us today. We're going to chat to Taylor Mae van Mazjaik uh, who's the operations director at Sponsible and uh, she's going to tell us all about their circularity and their wonderful vision that they've got to reduce reliability on fast fashion and reduce sustainable uh, footprint of of consumers as well. So first of all, such a pleasure to have you today, Taylor May, and uh, thanks for taking the time. If you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit what you do day to day and and more about Responsible itself, that'd be a fantastic start. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Pete. It's great to be here. Um, So I represent a company called Responsible. We're based in Northern Ireland, and we're really trying to fight for a circular future in fashion. Um, I look after operations for the business. And uh, yeah, really great to be here
0: fantastic brilliant and so just t- take us quickly th- quickly through so uh, you guys have a state-of-the-art plugin don't you? that you can you can put onto the back of, of uh, your partner's uh, websites I actually used to deal with Rayburn we used to Ray Rayburn so it's really nice to see that you're working with them and, and everything that Chris is doing there so that that's fantastic and um, so can you just take us through that process from the from the consumer point of view so effectively they, they buy the garment and then and then how does it go when they when they look to, to return the garment if that makes sense
1: So, um, just to take a step back a little bit, so the business was originally founded by uh, two gentlemen, Mark Dowds and Mitch Doust. Um, They come from the fintech space and they noticed that there was a really big problem in the fashion industry with sustainability. Um, It's hurting the planet and it's hurting people on the planet through slavery, etc. And they really wanted to have an impact. So they decided to take their backgrounds, which were finance and tech, combine those and figure out how to solve this problem. Originally, they attempted to tackle the manufacturing issue in in fashion and decided that they couldn't have the biggest impact on the industry through that particular channel. So they decided that all these manufacturers out there and brands are producing apparel and they're not going to stop. So the best way for us to help the industry as a whole make an improvement from a sustainability angle was to actually help keep the products that are already being made and have been made in circulation longer. Um, There's all sorts of research out there that suggests that um, the longer or more users a garment can have, the lower the carbon footprint of that garment can almost actually even be negated um, through a couple of uses or users. Um, so then that launched us into how do we work with existing brands and help them launch this um, circularity program, which is what we've built. So we kind of play in the e-commerce as a service space. We partner with existing fashion brands and help them take accountability for the products that they produce. We then refurbish those garments that the, the users of those brands send in, and we resell them through our own e-commerce platform, Responsible.us.
0: Fantastic. And and obviously that's that's quite a Detailed and and particular and you know meticulous process to to to, to do that. Has that taken a lot of time to to get that right and get that efficient?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we've spent um, well over a year actually just kind of studying the best way to refurbish. Um, fashion in general, I'll say, because that includes accessories and footwear as well. It's complicated, um, but it's worth it. And you'd be surprised. I think uh, the stat was there was seven billion pounds or dollars worth of apparel in people's wardrobes. Um, that they were willing to part ways with that was of a reusable quality. Um, So oftentimes the refurbishments that we're kind of applying are quite light because people have stuff that they haven't worn um, or is lightly worn um, that they're not interested in keeping anymore. Um, so, again, yeah, we've invested a ton of time and energy in trying to figure out the optimal way to get that product back into a resaleable state. And we've invested heavily in our Belfast facility. Um, we're, we're headquartered in Northern Ireland um, and some big pieces of tech and machinery um, to to help us refurbish stuff um, without damaging the the apparel. One of the kind of interesting things that we discovered was this this technology called ozone. Um, So we can essentially sanitize a garment, a la uh, we emerged during COVID. Um, There was a stigma with secondhand apparel about, uh, oh, what happens with the kind of sanitary angle? Um, And we use a tech called ozone, which we've invested in, again, in our facility in Northern Ireland, that actually fully sanitizes um, anything that you put in the machine um just as an example of something that that we've discovered along the way
0: i saw that and that looks really good and and i believe that sort of de sense the garment as well doesn't it in terms of it takes out any 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 fragrance on the product so that's fantastic and um two angles i think listeners be interested in is is one counterfeit product how, how do you make sure that, that that's not um in with you guys and and the second is we, we all know that this people as you say people don't repair things anymore they don't they don't reuse unfortunately and this is obviously what we've got to get back to and, and improve on how have you found getting skills for people to repair the garments because you know i'd imagine that industry isn't as as flourishing as it used to be in terms of people have the skills to be able to do it
1: Uh, I'm going to start with the second one because I'm really proud of the fact that we're a Northern Ireland based business. Um, I'm Irish by heritage. I'm not Irish, but my accent is slowly becoming slightly Northern Irish because I work with so many folks over there. But (laughs) uh, Northern Ireland actually used to be a hub for um, linen production and garment production um, in Europe. Uh, So we're actually very fortunate that we have found fantastic skills in Northern Ireland. Tons of people know how to sew. Um, and repair products. Um, we've been actually really lucky. Um, and we're also investing in upskilling and training and teaching people in uh, Northern Ireland of, of these skills as well. Um, we think it's going to be hugely important for the future that everyone knows how to keep their own products and apparel, even things around the home in good nick, um, instead of this kind of fast fashion, uh, easily disposable economy that sort of emerged. Um so yes, uh we've we've found great skills in Northern Ireland um, because of the history there. We actually our headquarters are in a place called Weavers Court. Um oh, <laughs> pays homage to um, what happened in, in the region. And then the first question you had about counterfeit. So that's a, a particularly challenging thing, especially because we play in the more premium space. Um, we have invested a lot of time in understanding, communicating with brands, um, researching, et cetera, to identify how to prevent counterfeits. It's an ongoing challenge. Um, and we've actually built some intellectual property, as we feel, um, in understanding how counterfeiters are producing um, the, the uh, fake items. Uh, and building kind of manuals and in-house knowledge and expertise on how to prevent them Um, a lot of it comes down in getting your hands on the garment and inspecting it unfortunately still um but there's some kind of telltale signs when it comes to quality again because we're playing in that sort of premium space um that you can pretty easily spot something that's been counterfeited
0: fantastic that's interesting i think i think um ebay have, have, have just had this program haven't they i think with watches and and um sneakers trainers that they've got this program now where they send them through the process because it's been so bad so i think it's a really really hot topic that especially with this drop you know the 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 drop mentality people are involved in you know and the reselling of 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 products i think it's becoming a really big hot issue so i think it's fascinating to see how you guys are are, are dealing with that and um one thing that we're really interested here at sorted to understand is um that sort of trade-off between New customers and customer loyalty, and 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 where the focus is. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but but Shopify's um, article for two thousand twenty two was was all about look acquisitions so expensive now because of because of so much competition. You know, look after your customers better and get them to to spend more and more regularly and everything like that. Obviously, you guys are in quite a, a unique situation where you're you're not trying to encourage people to keep spending with you because obviously you want to to you know they want them to use their garments and everything like that so how do you manage sort of new acquisition and 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 customer loyalty and, and that side of it and and you know and does, does it shift the focus based on your sort of sustainability um you know measures that you that you're, you're trying to work towards
1: absolutely i think if you asked anyone in our business they would say ltv lifetime value uh, and customer loyalty is key Um, So, for us in particular, because we're in the circular economy, we don't only want to attract a customer to buy something from us, but we want to buy something back from them that they don't want anymore. So, we want them to get into this kind of circle with us where they're constantly trading in the stuff that they don't want so that we can make sure that someone else who's interested in that item can take ownership of it. and so they get kind of in this circle that they're happy. They're constantly buying, trading, selling um, stuff from their wardrobe. Um, that's what we're after. And we think the future of the industry will revolve around 100 um, percent lifetime value and making sure that you maximize your relationship with your customer uh, versus a cheap customer acquisition, I think, uh, is the, the comparable. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. And how do you communicate best or which channels do you think are best to to get that customer to understand your concept better when they've. You know, so someone might go on to buy something, probably not understand the concept completely on their first purchase. And then you, you're really trying to re-engage with them to, to get them to fully buy into what you're doing. Are there any channels that worked out really well in, in regards to, to, to... I see you've got a, you've got a members club, haven't you, with the, with a newsletter and everything like that. Is, does email work well for you?
1: Email works really well. Um, our member program is growing. And we've also kind of taken... So our chief marketing officer is formerly from Adidas. Um, And he has a fantastic background and some great philosophies and experience around trying to um, keep customers coming back. Um, He worked on Yeezy and some of the Beyonce programs that were um, part of the Adidas kind of parent group. Um, And he's instituted what we call a drop. Um, So once a week, uh, we'll drop a whole bunch of new inventory. um, And we only give access to a VIP list of customers. They get kind of first dibs on those items, which is a philosophy that comes out of standard retail, um, that we're trying to pull into the secondhand um, space to kind of again promote uh, people continuing to come back to us and staying really loyal to our brand by giving them VIP access to the the new product that we're we're releasing, which we're calling a drop. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting
0: that you say that actually, because obviously, as you say, Supreme and and, Yuzi and 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 what have you have done that in that sort of hype space, but but what you're doing is actually much more prevalent because you may only have one of that item. So, so, you know, so it's really exciting for the re- for the customer to go, oh, actually I can get that item that no one else can. Whereas, you know, as much as Yeezy say that they haven't, they've probably got 8 million or whatever, <laughs> whatever they have. So, so yeah, that's really interesting actually that this creates that demand for something that's uh, literally could be a one-off piece. So that's really, really exciting.
1: The treasure trove.
0: Yeah, no, it's really good. Perfect. And obviously, and you know, Sustainability is core cool of what you do, so you know with e-commerce, we've we've all got the challenge of of delivery and returns and and all that side of it. So, um, in reg- in regards to delivery, in terms of packaging, in terms of the 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 methods that you're using to actually for outbound any services, is there anything that you're doing that you feel that's particularly innovative in that space, or or anything that you're that you're proud of?
1: So as the operations director for the business, um, one of the biggest challenges we had to solve for was, we are based in Northern Ireland, Brexit has happened, um, and we have to figure out and still changing um, if you watch the news. So we have had to figure out how to put in a logistics framework that works for our customers that are in um, the mainland of United Kingdom or Great Britain um, and customers for Europe. So um, that was a particularly difficult challenge for us to solve. But you also have this concept of a customer who's coming back. They're sending something to you potentially buying something from you, may need to return it, but eventually you want them to send that item they bought from you back so that you can refurbish it and sell it to someone else when they're done with it. Um, So you've created this um, framework that requires lots of movements of goods um, and the carbon footprint of shipping, et cetera, is definitely coming into question um, in the e-commerce space. And a lot of brands even have started charging for returns. I bought something off Amazon the other day and I was surprised to find that they're free Easy returns process was now paid for in some some circumstances, which was kind of caught me off guard. But having worked in the sector, I, I understand because returns are very expensive. Um, so we're investing heavily in trying to understand the right packaging, how to get something to a customer that they can keep for maybe six months or a year that they could send the article back to us in, um, sending them takeaway bags so they can um we send it to them in the post they fill it up with the goods that they don't want anymore and they send that back to us so trying to kind of optimize in that space has been um, interesting uh, there's lots of great companies out there who are um, have invented all sorts of reusable packaging as well um, right now we're really focused on the lowest carbon footprint packaging possible and partnering with um, in particular logistics companies that use uh, green vehicles um, or a up from your home when they're already um, dropping stuff off at your house as well to try and kind of minimize um, the footprint. Uh, but one thing I will comment on is it's really difficult to get a customer to go somewhere to drop off their products um, to send them back to you. They really have to be motivated um, to go to their local Royal Mail and send back in that Supreme shirt um so, what we have uh experienced is that you have to offer a really wide range of options for someone to get the products back to you. so um, lockers is something that we've explored, collection is something that we've explored um, so there's there's a multitude of different ways to tackle that problem, um, and we're still trying to figure out the answer
0: no, I, I don't think anyone's fully you know fully got it you know fully encompassed yet because it's 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 a growing space isn't it and and the priority of it's only getting and getting larger and the, the given it's a growing space in the packaging world have have you found that the pricing of sustainable packaging is quite not prohibitive but it is something you really got to factor in because it is very expensive isn't it as well
1: absolutely um and we have a a really deep sustainability team um who is trying to help us even as a company try and um, optimize as well and not just go for the um, buzzword type packaging. For example, I didn't know this prior to working at Responsible, but biodegradable packaging actually is made with petroleum, which is bad for the environment. Um, so the cheapest option for a lot of um, companies right now is using um, biodegradable packaging, which is actually not that desirable from a sustainability point of view when you look at the numbers. So um, we're using instead um, stuff that's made of cardboard, recycled cardboard that you can then put in your recycling bin um, and can be easily um, turned into something else at the end of the day. So not just going with the stuff that's kind of common that everyone else is using that has um, some positive connotations with it, um, but actually the numbers prove that it's actually not that good for the environment. Um, we're trying to do better uh, and, and we are spending quite a bit more on our packaging, but we're making sure that it's the right, for the right thing for the environment.
0: No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think obviously it will all, as the scale goes up of it all, and it will all become um, easier. But it, we we all have to be really careful of the the greenwashing out there in terms of, as you say, with the petroleum element of, of the biodegradable stuff. You know, it's all very well. It, it's, it looks nice on on the on on a website, or what have you. But you know, overall, it's if it's not doing what it says it's doing, it's, it's you know, it's, it it defeats the point, doesn't it? Really. So um, so that's that's really useful. I actually didn't know that about the about what you've just said there. So that's really really interesting from from my side. Um. One thing I think we were really interested in finding out as well is you've got a fantastic Trustpilot score, um, you know, and it's front and centre on, on on what you're doing for obvious reasons because it's it's, it's very good. And, and one thing I thought was really interesting was, are there any trends to what really um, dictates that score in terms of other, you know, from a negative review point of view? Is there anything that... Is always a theme that, oh, this is it. So for example, in delivery or returns, is that a big big area or is you know is it your customer service? Or you know, obviously you've got a fantastic score, so you're not you're not getting a lot of it. But I was just wondering if there's any themes there that that you would recommend other retailers and, and other e-commerce platforms to really focus on to make sure that, that you're looking after your customers properly. We have
1: uh, it comes from the top down. Our CEO is fiercely passionate about the customers of this business Um, and he makes sure that every single person on this team participates in customer service at various intervals um, to to understand what it's like to speak to one of our customers, Um, but also he's just ferocious about making sure that we treat them with the utmost respect um, because they're what drive our business and they're the future and our future. Um, So I would have to say it comes down to that customer service element coming all the way from the top. He even participates in some customer service calls and takes the odd phone call, um, which takes a lot of humility for a CEO to do that. So I'm very proud to work for someone um, who does that. But yeah, absolutely. Customer service, number one. Um, And one of the things that he was actually so. In a previous life, I worked in financial services, and a lot of the fintech companies out there kind of uh, go down the bot route. So a customer can self-service to get an answer quickly, um, but a bot really just replaced a call center. um, And that is not actually the best solution to the problem. Getting someone to speak to a human quickly, get their answer, um, get their problem resolved quickly not necessarily being funneled into a bot or endless pushing buttons on a phone to get to a human at the end because you're getting frustrated that happens to me with ba all the time i hope you hear this ba uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely making sure that you respect your customers and their time um and you you make customer service a key pillar in your business i think is critical
0: that's really that's, it's interesting isn't it i think you know do is not as I say, but do as I do, sort of thing. From mentality, from the top. I think it's, it's, it's. You can't ask people to do things that you're not prepared to do yourself. And and you know that was my, obviously I was running relatively small businesses compared to yourself. But in terms of it, it's very important that 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 everyone who you, who works for you knows that you'd be prepared to, to step and and do it as well. And I think one one I'd like to expand further on, if you can, is is in delivering returns. Sometimes the negativity is something you you can't avoid because it's in the hands of the of the courier is there is there anything that you've done really well in in to negate that negativity even though it's not your fault do, do you see what i'm saying so because you know if, if a courier decides to lob something over the back of a fence it's not your it's not responsible fault but you know at the same time is there any any uh, methodology that that you've seen work to sort of to help that and to, to keep keep customers loyal
1: so i think flexibility is really important um So making sure that your customer service team knows that you're dependent on a carrier. We've actually had to switch carriers once or twice um, because we've had a couple of bad experiences, Um, but just making sure that your team is super flexible at understanding. I think a lot of times customers just want to feel heard. I myself sometimes just want to vent um, and feel heard. Hey, that guy threw that package at my front door. That's totally unacceptable. Um, we've had a couple of packages get damaged so making sure that your policies are flexible so that you uh, in our instance we only have one of a product. If it gets damaged while it's en route to a customer, we cannot replace it. So we have to be very flexible in offering them store credit, offering them a new item, um, all sorts of things. Just make sure that we are, again, keeping them um, and their emotions, their feelings at the top, um, at the pinnacle of what we're doing. And that we're really trying to respect them, their time, their opinion, their perspective, etc. cetera.
0: Fantastic. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. I think. We could, we could talk with Dave, but obviously uh, it'd be lovely to wrap up by asking you some quick fire questions just to get a little bit of insight into yourself and, and, and what what, uh, what drives you and what have you. That'd be fantastic. So first one, I think, um, is working from home or working from the office? What, what do you prefer and, and what would be a, an ideal week for
1: yourself? 1,000% working from home. <laughs> Sitting i Sitting on the fence. <laughs> and I have a new child. I love the flexibility of working from home. 1,000% working from home. And and an odd day in the office, I will say.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess you're um more productive. I, I'm much more productive work from home. Do you do you feel that as well? Yeah.
1: I I use that time I would have spent commuting, and I give it back to work. So I think that's another huge asset for the company. Is if you offer flexible working policies, people tend to give you more of their time.
0: I agree with you. Completely agree. Um, second one. So this is quite an open one. Is there is there any, um influence in the industry or any um areas that you like to get information from or podcasts or anything like that 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 you would recommend to anyone else who's, who's in the space you know is there any individuals that you think are really good on social media or, or anyone that is a big influence to you
1: um i am a frequent reader of business of fashion um i think their entire team are stellar they write great pieces um they also produce annually a ton of really good reports um so I would have to say, yeah, business of fashion, of course, your podcast as well. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, guide,
0: <kind>, too kind. <laughs> Uh are there any brands, you know, you said that the, the original idea from Responsible was to um uh, to you know to, to create better fashion, you know, from source as it were. Are there any brands that you are particularly proud of or that you think are doing a great job in in doing their best at at, at creating a more sustainable ecosystem from from, from source, as it were?
1: I think Pangaia is a fantastic case study um, of a brand who's doing it right um, from the beginning. Um, I would recommend anyone who's not familiar with them to look them up. They predominantly do kind of streetwear and sweats, those sorts of things, but they're doing it right. Um, I think some celebrities have started wearing their stuff as well. I've seen uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man wearing the odd Pangaia piece. Um, but yeah, they would definitely be for me, a role model of what uh, what to do right on the manufacturing side.
0: Perfect, perfect. And are, are there any apps or, or anything that you guys obviously work with Shopify that you that have been really helpful in re, in regard to reducing time or, or, or have helped you increase revenue or anything like that that you would recommend? I mean, don't worry if there isn't, but if, if there's others, that'd be great for the listeners.
1: Yeah, I mean, the two kind of game changers for us have been absolutely Shopify. Um, Our e-commerce store and our app are built on the Shopify foundation. What they're doing is amazing. And then um, I am not uh, trying to brown nose, but um, Sorted really fixed a big problem for us. Um, We are a Northern Ireland-based company, um, and logistics are obviously complicated for us because we have to get garments from customers and also um, offer returns from Northern Ireland within the United Kingdom, Um, and you guys were the only company out there able to do that for us, so a shout-out to anyone who's in Northern Ireland. If you need a returns provider, Sorted are your people, Um, and the team is awesome, so I think those would have to be the two kind of big winners for us that really have been game-changers for the business.
0: That's very kind. I, I think Shopify is fantastic as well in regards to having that, you know, not needing that development resource for a small retailer is, is really, really, it's game changing that you can still be professional in what you do. And then last one, just just to, just to gain some insight for you guys, is there anything that we should be watching out from Responsible in the in the coming months or, or years? Anything that's exciting that, that you can give us a quick you know peek on or anything like that?
1: Uh, territory expansion. So look out for the Responsible brand and new markets um, and then a bunch of new brand partnerships that are going to be announced very soon.
0: Fantastic. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been, been an absolute pleasure. You know, you've, I've learned a lot. I'm sure the, all the listeners have learned a huge amount as well. And um, I'd just like to say to the listeners, if you could just give us a quick follow at Sorted Official on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and all the usual places, it'd be fantastic. And uh, we've got loads of good guests lined up and uh, we're really excited to see um, you guys in the, in the coming weeks. So thanks very much, Taylor May. It's been a pleasure and uh, we look forward to seeing you all soon. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Sorted Indie Retail Sessions podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all other platforms. If you fancy joining us as a guest or you think you know someone you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode, get in touch with us and let us know. We're on all the usual social channels at Sorted Official or get in touch via email at brand